Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. What is up, everybody? It's a solo podcast week. That means Raul and I are going to talk at each other's faces for a little bit. Uh, just to give you guys a little bit of an insight of what's going on, we are currently in a closet with the futon being our soundboard. Hey, this is our pro podcast studio, so... Yeah, so if anybody has an excuse or they're just making excuses why they can't make podcasts, just to give you some insight once again, there's a futon to Raul's back, and I am swaddled in blankets. So by the end of this podcast, I'll be drenched in sweat, and I did not put on any deodorant, so it's going to be smelly and sweaty. <laughs> See, it's dedication, this people. Guy, man. We got to we got to make sure that the people get the top information possible, regardless if I smell like a dumpster, and it doesn't matter. Yes, you do. You know, yeah, I'm I am a fiend. I'm gonna go to the gym after this too, smelling like this. And if anybody says anything about my smell, I'm gonna blame it on them. Like, how do you know it's me? <laughs> how do you know it's not you? <laughs> Clearly, I'm just smelling absolutely god awful. Just like, I'm pretty sure it's coming from you. I would know. I would absolutely it's not know. me. I use deodorant. No. Yeah, yeah. So we, before this, we we asked people if they had any questions that they might have for us uh, for the podcast. Um, some of them were, so I think all of them were good. I mean, any any type of. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. The questions were good. We answered a couple of them on the Instagram stories, but we're gonna answer like with details here on this episode. Yeah, it's much better when it comes to like responding to like online when when you're using just text boxes. It gets to the point where it's like, I can knock this question out of the park, but I'm just not going to. It's not worth my time in the sense of, like, I can answer this by just yelling at my phone or yelling at this microphone. And if they're interested enough, they'll come listen, you know? I mean, that, it's pretty funny. I, get, I think that was one of my biggest uh, revelations, I guess, when it came to um, people asking me questions online or maybe just I needed to reach somebody. I'm becoming progressively more lazy, but I think – it adds a personalized touch where I can use the, the touch Voice. to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, and I kind of, if I've never done it with someone before, I always disclaim it like, Hey, I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to yell at my phone for a yeah. little bit because you asked me a very loaded question. It's more personal as well. <laughs> I think people like it more than just a text. Oh, for sure. And you can get into details. That's some good H2O. Okay. So, I mean, do you have the questions ready to go, sir? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, so the first question is, uh, unaligned hips corrected with exercise or adjustments needed. Uh, my shorter right leg is 0 0.25 inches shorter. You so wanna, how you do, how do you want to attack that? You want to attack that first? And it was CW. Um, unaligned hips, uh, I think the majority of the population has quote-unquote unaligned hips. Uh, and it's not necessarily a risk factor for pain. Um, so my first answer to this question would be, if it's not painful, I would not need to quote unquote correct anything, um, because odds are it's not painful. It's just 0.25 of an inch. Um, but if you do want to correct it or if you want to, yeah, if you want to, I, I mean, I think it's impossible to quote unquote correct it because number one, it doesn't need to be corrected, but if you want to work on it. As always, exercise, just general exercise. There's not a specific exercise to make your left leg a little bit longer. 
um, but if you want to correct like single leg uh, deficits, just unilateral work will do the work. Um, adjustments will not fix it and they will not make it even. Uh, and if they do, it's for like probably five to 10 minutes. You walk and then it gets uneven again. But I wouldn't think about it too much. Um, I wouldn't try to correct it either. I would just keep doing what you're doing because I know that you're an active guy. And just don't worry about it, honestly. I don't know what Parker has to say about it. But if it were up to me, I would not recommend any adjustments for it. Yeah, it seems like you're um, you're chasing a false, a false profit. Assuming that the reason why this question got brought up is because you experienced some sort of lower back pain or some type of unexplainable pain that somebody pointed at your leg length discrepancy to be the answer. And... I don't think that's going to be – I don't think once it's it's not validated in research and it's not validated through logic. So if you think about it like this, if you were born with a true leg length discrepancy, uh, we know that human beings are infamously – they, they know, we know that we're able to compensate. And that's just – I know we're talking about humans, but let's think about animals. Animals that lose a leg. All right, for example, you think those dogs that are missing two legs? They're <laughs> hopping around like, you know, little chickens. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they're not in pain. They're having a great time. Um, so if we're kind of like splitting hairs with a, you said point twenty five. Yeah. Uh, inch, inch? Yeah, one-fourth of an inch. Yeah, one-fourth of, yeah. wow. one of an inch discrepancy. Yeah, we're it's chasing false. Yeah, we're chasing false profits. Uh, and if if it's true and you're born with it, I guarantee you that you've already overcome any type of complications that it has potentially given you. If we're playing devil's advocate here, but yeah, if you just stay active and you you know you really focus on your load management, you shouldn't have that issue at all. You know, it's it's I as a as a future chiropractor within the next year or so. Um, I can tell you that if a chiropractor is saying that the reason why you're coming here today is to, quote unquote, even out your legs or balance your pelvis, they're not operating on any valid evidence and they're operating off of their checkbook because they want you to come in more than one time a week and they're going to crunch on your back and they're going to they're going to say, hey, look, you're evened out. How do you know? You're face down. Yeah, I can literally lie to you. Yep. You know, and guess what? Each time you come in, I'm billing your insurance, or I'm billing, or I'm billing you. So I think that's it's it's injustice. So just give us your money instead of giving him. Your, no, right. just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> just don't worry about it. And honestly, yeah, don't stress about it. It doesn't need fixing. So next question at underscore rg underscore. Any recommendations for Kairos looking for evidence-based preceptorship locations? You can attack that. Mm, yeah. Okay, so I mean that's something that um, it's kind of a loaded question, and I can maybe attack half of the answer. Where so right now we're both you and I are looking at uh, Veterans Affairs, at Veteran Affairs hospitals, because at the end of the day they're only going to operate off of latest evidence. So that should be a good culture shock. But that being said, when I say latest information, it's it's still outdated, right? They're still going to be biomedical because they're influenced by their peers. And when you're working with a DO or an uh, orthopedic surgeon or anybody else in the healthcare profession, they're all going to have their biases as well. So it's going to slow down the intervention process. Um, but I would say that's a good start. I mean, you're going to be able to not only build your, your network of, of working with 
other professions, which is going to be the gold standard of the future, multidisciplinary interventions. But also you get to see how the, the, the thought process develops with all the other healthcare professionals. And that's going to be invaluable as well. As for other people that you should be reaching out for, I'm not going to give you specifics because there's millions of people out there, but I would give you these tips here. Reach out to people that seem like good candidates and you need to ask them hard questions. In order for you to ask those hard questions, you need to know the answers to those questions as well so you can grade this person upon their response. If you say, do you think that X, Y, and Z could influence somebody's pain? And they say, no, it's just structure. Maybe they're not operating off of the latest evidence. And then you can already put them lower on your priority list. Is there anything else that you would add to that? Um, I agree about the BA. I would personally do that and try to get that first. Uh, but if you don't, or if you don't do not want to go that route, uh, I would just say, yeah, similar to Parker's answer, I would reach out to people that you admire, people that you know that are evidence-based or that you have a good idea. Um, yeah, just create a conversation, maybe shadow them if they're close, if they're far away, just talk to them, uh, ask questions, ask the right questions, but also understand that you probably will not find a perfect fit. Like everybody, like everybody has its faults, um, but I think that you can find. There are definitely good candidates out there, and if you need help, uh, you can just reach out through DM. Maybe we can uh, recommend you some of people, some uh, Kairos we know, but it's all about, yeah, networking, just talking, asking questions, and understanding that you probably won't find a perfect fit. Right, yeah. Just take what you can from every circumstance. And I I love this idea of having a filter where don't be too good to listen to anybody because everybody has a certain experience that you can either draw upon or learn from. And let's say they don't. Let's just say there's an outlier where it's like, wow, you offered me nothing good. You don't have to accept it. You can oh. literally just filter it out and you just move on. But at exactly. least you made that decision. Yep. Next question at Mr. Seti, Seti, I don't know. <laughs> what is the scope of chiropractic care on physical therapy treatment? You can do it. <laughs> exactly, you can do anything, basically. Um, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about Florida, uh, we have to take, like, one of our national boards is the physiotherapy board. And if you pass it, well, you can perform any uh, physiotherapy modality that you want to perform. Um, honestly, chiros and PTs should work very similar and you honestly shouldn't even know the difference between them if they're following the latest evidence. But yeah, you have your scope is huge. You can do anything you want as long as it's ethical, obviously. Right. You're a primary care provider, yep. you know, as long as you're not doing some crazy invasive surgery, um, any intervention that has evidence behind it, you are well within your scope. I mean, and honestly, if even if it doesn't have evidence, people still do it. But yeah, the scope, it's huge. You can yeah. do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Free will of fitness. <laughs> How many clients are you guys able to handle while balancing school and getting TikTok fame? The TikTok fame here comes from Parker. It's the nipples. It's 100% the nipples. But I, I mean, I guess... As I many can... as we can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, as many as you can. I mean, it's to the point where... You got to make that decision where where does quantity and quality in they they hit or they converge you know when quantity starts going up when does quality go down and that can be dependent like dependent on the person or the or the business right 
Um, for example, if you have 20 clients and you're finding yourself forgetting that you haven't reached out to a specific client, well, depending on the temperament of that person, you might be doing that person a disjustice. You know, they might need that accountability that you can derive, that you can give by just saying, hey, how's those steps coming along? Hey, how's those nutrition goals hitting, you know? Um, so it's a highly dependent. I, I can't really give you a specific number, but the, the day that it comes where I feel like, wow, I gave this guy a really shitty experience, now I know it hit my threshold. I need to back off. And it's a little bit easier for us since we're a team. Um, the both of us kind of like tag team. If I reach out to a certain client, then he reach out, reaches out to another client, um, and it's a little bit easier. But, yeah, we like to keep quality high. We have a personal relationship with our clients, so whenever quality goes down, it's time to just not take any more clients, I guess. Yeah, as for the TikTok fame, it's all about <laughs> what can I do shirtless and what is relatively funny. I guess, you know, like, so when it comes to the, the TikTok fame, or at least not the fame, but, like, you know, coming up with ideas, and this might be somebody's not real question, but it might actually offer some value here, is if you're stuck with coming up with ideas, how I always say it is find a find a situation or a question that you can answer and if you're looking for comedy just go to the extremes you know what i'm saying so i i the latest one was a to-do list you know like some people load up their to-do list with things they have to do and other people like you know they do some easy things some i like to call some uh some softballs or some easy things that they can knock out of the park to get momentum but what is the extreme of that people that only load their to-do list with nonsensical uh, like small wins or softballs and they're not getting anything done so people can laugh at it even if it's them who are doing it because it's not poking fun at a specific person but it's poking fun at a common fault yep. that people can fall into next question uh, and this one's kind of long uh, at say hen <laughs> um, no knee pain during squat but after workout is it from too much training or technique issue? We answered a little bit on the story, uh, but after that, uh, he reached out, so I'm going to read uh, the message and then we can attack it. Um, here's some detail. There is pain 24 hours after, but the pain is not as bad. The only lasting issue I experienced was the tendency, the, the tendency for my knee to get locked up, which pops when I close and open my legs. The pain is not present anymore now after a few days rest, but my knees still lock, still lock up here and there. Is it time to cut back on the volume? A lot of information there. <laughs> I mean, you want to hit that first? I mean, yeah. Uh, the first question was, is it from too much training or technique issue? I would not say it's due to technique. Um, if you've been training with that same technique for years, uh, it's probably not the technique because you've probably adapted to it by now. Um, uh, I would say it's it's a volume issue. That would be my first guess. Obviously, it's, it, we, we don't know because we have not asked a lot of uh, questions. But yeah, try just lowering the volume a little bit for next week. See how your body reacts. Um, if you have symptoms that last more than 24 hours, yes, uh, decrease volume. See how next week goes. If you do not have any symptoms or if your symptoms are only soreness and not pain per se, well, there you have your, your base, your starting point, and progress a little bit uh, every single week. Um, but if you cut down your volume, you have no pain, don't try to do like a whole lot more the next workout because you probably will feel some pain 
Um, and in regards to for your knees to get locked up, if you're talking about crepitus or like the the pop sound, um, if it's not painful, honestly, don't worry about it because my knees pop all the time when whenever I'm in the floor and I stand up. Uh, and if it's not painful, there's literally no problem. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't stress too much about the the crepitus or the locked up knees as long as it's not painful. Um, but yeah, I would my my recommendation would be load management. What about you? Yeah, with the whole 24-hour thing, uh, post-exercise, kind of having that inflammation response, it, it screams volume. It screams load management. Um, typically, when we have people that have pain during a set, and we can talk about maybe it's a load issue or absolute load issue. Um, but, yeah, it's it seems like maybe you – I don't know if you're making a, a log, a workout log, but I think that can be tremendous because, for example, working with a client earlier in my career, he wouldn't realize that he would look at a weight and he would just be like, oh, I, I'm not actually lifting heavy, but every time I don't lift heavy, I still get this, this chronic knee pain. And it's just like, well, what's what's not heavy? And they'll, they'll, he would, he would you know, spit out a weight and it says, well, your body thinks that's heavy because it's still stimulating some sort of an inflammation response or you're becoming sensitized to that movement. So why wouldn't you just drop down? But the reason why he wasn't doing that or thinking logically is because the ego was in the way. So why I say you should be writing things down is because now you can absolutely look at just numbers and objective data, no emotion, and you can say, wow, okay, my volume was here, I felt this pain. My absolute load was here. I felt this pain. What variables can I change in order for me to not feel this pain? So let's say let's say week one you decrease the load. That's going to inevitably you know decrease the volume, of course, but you're still feeling this issue. Okay, maybe it's a repetitive motion that's being the provocative thing. So instead of you know you know instead of uh, changing another variable from there, you can go back from your initial baseline which you've written down. Now you're just going to change the variable again. Instead of re decreasing the load, we're just going to decrease the sets or the reps. This is why it's so important for somebody to write things down, because you can think you remember things, but at the end of the day, you're always going to round up if you have a healthy ego <laughs> in the gym. Like, oh, yeah, I did 135. You're probably going to be like, oh, yeah, I did 235. You know, <laughs> it's it, it, it's inevitable. But, yeah, it sounds like everything that Rello said I would agree with. Um, just adding the tip on top of that is if you're not writing down what you're doing, please write it down because you're going to cut out all the legwork that you – or the guesswork, rather, if you're not writing it down. Yep, and also, like, is your knee pain – does your knee pain only appear after squats? Right. And my question after that first question is, do you actually need to be squatting right now? Like, is your goal hypertrophy? Because if it is, there's a million different exercises that you can just do. Uh, if your goal is like powerlifting and lifting weights, well, yeah, you might need to find variations of the squat. Maybe a box squat. You can still load it uh, heavy, uh, but it's a de uh, shorter range of motion. Maybe you can lower the load, do some tempo work. Uh, there's a million different ways to attack, to attack the, the same issue, but load management, if that doesn't work, maybe try swapping exercises or just decreasing the ROM, decreasing the load. Uh, but yeah, that or changing the form a little bit wider, narrower, those out. Like There's a million different ways that you can attack the same issue. So 
that's you know another thing is like you know another benefit to switching out exercises is it's you know the law of diminishing returns is true right you know we do become so specialized in a movement that we no longer disrupt homeostasis like we used to when we first started a movement and we know in order for us to you know really get some benefits out of exercise and whether it be muscle gain or strength gain we have to disrupt homeostasis because that's going to drive a stimulus to tell the body hey boy you better adapt right now and that's let's say that you are specialized in the squat you're no longer getting the same benefits as you used to this would be a great indicator like all right we got to change it up as raul said we can do many of different exercises and then when it's time to come back we know that hey we may have lost a little bit of skill because skill diminishes very quickly but you've most likely built a higher capacity in the tissue so now you can just blow past the the one skill that you lost and now you can actually do much much better because you're resensitized to the movement you have a stronger tissue capacity and once you learn something it's like riding a bike you just got to kind of dust yeah. off the cobwebs and then improve upon that muscle memory yes sir was that all the the questions yeah the rest ones were answered on the ig stories we got attacked due mm -hmm. to my, some of my answers <laughs> yeah um but yeah do you have anything you want to share any fun cases at the clinic yeah, I, I saw, mean, I know your cases, but the world doesn't. So. Right. I, you know, we can talk about cases anytime, but I, I will say I, I will touch upon the whole backlash to people being very upset about what, what is being said. I love this topic. It's, it's crazy just because, like, if people read it for what it was versus implying emotion, yep. they, they, they read between lines that are not there. And they change everything, like... They mention stuff that we didn't even mention. Exactly. Common arguments. Yes. Exactly. Changing the context. Exactly. And it's just like you try to bring them back to baseline, but there's just such a large cognitive dissonance. And it's just like you know you're just arguing with the wall at that point. And it's just unbelievable. So That's, Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying. So it's just like the one thing that you say, and, and I 100% agree with, is adjustments do not cure anything. They do not. And Because think about it. Let's say we do have a serious pathology, yeah. right? And, and this person doesn't even know what a chiropractor is. We know that when it comes to a population of chiropractic, it's not high when it comes to the whole world, right? Do we have a massive amount of people dying to a specific disease that we haven't figured out yet? No. We, we, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, well, have you tried cracking their back? And then they're actually cured? No. So, you know, when that statement gets out, people fucking flip out. But it's it's just like that's not – I don't think you disagree with it because of the logic. When I'm, well, these people they don't disagree with it because of the logic. I think they disagree with it because now they are getting their ego challenged. They are no longer the facilitator of you know well-being. But it's just like, yo, dude. Even in the argument that I read overread that you had with the person, and you weren't even arguing. You're being very polite. It's not even worth it. <laughs> right, and it's just like you know they're like, oh yeah. The, you know, we, we just clear interference so the body can heal itself. Yeah, I'm going to read the message, obviously. I'm not going to name names because it's private, but I basically answered a question that somebody asked us, and it was, what do you guys believe is the power of an adjustment? And I basically, like, answered power. Well, none. It's good for short-term pain relief. So I, I said it's a good thing, right? I never said it doesn't work. But then at the end of the answer, I said they don't cure anything. 
And this person was like, oh, if you don't believe in a chiropractic adjustments, like you're making a huge mistake being in the profession. <laughs> she, uh, the person mentioned that there's a thing out there called uh, doctors of physical therapy and that uh, <laughs> we should pack our bags and leave higher school. Uh, like, I don't understand why people attack you personally if you never said anything wrong against. Right. We never mentioned anything wrong about adjustments. We never mentioned anything wrong about chiropractic professions. So why would you attack someone? Right. And like, we're not even saying that uh, spinal manipulation doesn't work. We're just saying that it doesn't do like what it doesn't do, and right. which is true. Right. Like we we didn't even lie. Um. But yeah, uh, lots of logical fallacies there. And like once you know, like I said, it's just when the ego comes into play, there's no reason, there's no reason or logic that's gonna break you out of it until you realize that you were wrong yourself. And what it comes back to is training, write things down, and as for just. You know, it, it, you can't really it, you need somebody to call you out on your shit yeah. when, when it's so deep and embedded. But we're in a school that 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 really pushes, really pushes chiropractic. And I I made this I made this comparison a very long time ago and I'll make it again is I feel like chiropractic is like Nike and the subluxation is the just do it logo. You know, it's it's to the point where chiropractic kind of relies on branding. You know, to an extent, we need the adjustment to basically separate us from a lot of other professions. But yet we have a DO that can do relatively everything an MD can, relatively speaking, um, and adjust. But we don't really throw stones at them. Yep. And then we have literally physical therapists who do, quote unquote, manipulation because they can't say adjustment because guess what? The chiropractors are. And all, it's the same thing. It's the same, same thing. specificity, by it's, the way. If you're listening to this, you can attack us. But, yeah, there's nothing special about it. It's, it's you know, it just get off your high horse. You think you're contacting a specific area. You're probably not. But at the end of the day, you get the results. So your ego doesn't take that big of a hit. You just got to realize that, hey, you're not as specific as you, as you think you are. And now that it's kind of like freeing at that point. You know, oh, am I on L3 or am I on L4? Who cares? Get it moving. They'll feel great because it's going to give you that cavitation. It's going to give you that temporal decrease in pain. And now that they are able to be back to baseline, what habits are you going to instill so they don't get back into this situation again? You are a teacher at heart. Doctor means teacher, right? Yep. There you go. So it's just like. Subluxation is bullshit. It's just, <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope that in the future. There's going to be – maybe it's taught in school. I don't know if it's taught in school or not, but it's just egos are everywhere. And it's just – if you don't have one, it's so much better. Yeah. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm like, God, oh, you got me. Now I know better, you exactly. know? Exactly. There's nothing wrong with it. So I would hate to die on a hill that I'm completely <laughs> wrong with. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to say, fuck, I, I was really wrong, but – it feels good afterwards because it's just like, wow, I was such a jackass and I didn't know it. It's the equivalent of walking around and there's something in your teeth <laughs> and nobody's telling you. I mean, but that's how growth happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. C could you imagine like something's in your teeth, right? Or you're, you're spouting information off that's wrong. It's the same thing. And everybody's just too polite to correct you. And you just think about all the interactions you had that day. Whether it be like, you know, oh, they were staring at my teeth for at least 20 minutes during that conversation. Or I just told this patient X, Y, and Z, and I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. That's a big hit in the gut. Yep. 
but like I would rather somebody say like, dude, no, you have something in your teeth, or dude, no, you're spitting out stuff that's not good. It can hurt a patient nocebically, or you're just wrong in general. Absolutely. You know? But yeah, I mean, welcome to our TED talk. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome to the rant where it started off as like you know at the Q and A, everyone's like, "Oh, this is great. I'm getting great information." And now it's like, "Dude, this kid won't shut up." <laughs> <laughs> so if you've listened so far, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, just uh, if you made it this far, I mean, you know, we have a book, right? Just put an ad out there. Shameless <laughs> <laughs> plug. You know, um, is there anything else that happened in your your day to day that was worth mentioning to some students that are probably listening? Nah, we can share case studies in our next episode. Yeah. Running out of content. Yeah, yeah, right? So I guess uh, just to, to fill in, or I guess this would be a, a preview. So I had I had a young athlete that had a spine disorder that they didn't know about. And, you know, with my bias to use x-ray as a last resort, I was humbled. And, you know, it was a good experience. And then you had some interesting cases as well, yeah? Yeah, I've had a couple of them. Yeah, see? See? Like, so you guys better tune in. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the cliffhanger. Um, I think I think we hit it, man. I yeah. think I think we got everything set and done here. I'm I'm smelly. I'm sweaty. Um this 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 podcast room needs an upgrade, man. <laughs> sweet, <laughs> There's sweet. a literally a one dollar lamp illuminating our podcast studio <laughs> if it, it gets the job done yeah i'll tell you what it it, it adds ambiance um it puts me in the mood for conversation of course that's what matters <laughs> between this one and the last three episodes that we one-on-one i think the first one was we were cuddling in bed the second one was <laughs> we're in a bubble bubble bath and <laughs> now this one we're in a sweaty meat locker with the futon as our soundboard <laughs> All right, I'm clicking the end of this. Fuck you. I'm just kidding. Oh, I hit record twice.